welcome to the This Because podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Zoe. And we're brand strategists, social entrepreneurs, and longtime friends, exploring how the way we live and work impacts the people and the planet around us. This podcast is an open conversation about values and ethics, sustainability and purpose, brands and business. So this week we're back and we're going to be talking about food and food waste. But we wanted to start with a nice little link between last week's carbon chat and this week's food chat. There's been a lot in the news about COP26 carbon footprint menus. A beetroot and broccoli salad comes in at 0.2 carbon, um, 0.2 kilograms of carbon emissions equivalent and a Scottish beef burger comes in at 3.9 kilograms per carbon emissions equivalent. Is it time that we use footprint menus more widely to make this more visible for people? I know that um, the food chain Leon does this and you can Mm -hmm. see they launched a carbon neutral menu and you can see on the actual menu at the point of sale what how much carbon is in certain things. And um, I think that's one great place to start. But it's really good to have the debate about the impact of our food choices on climate when you can see the information, make the comparisons Yeah, I definitely think unless I can see something and compare it, it's really hard to make it um, feel tangible. So I think the more people that do that, the more visible it is, um, the more second nature it will be to check. Like um, we're used to checking kind of fats and salts in in different products. Um, So I think it'd be a useful addition. Yeah, and I know that um, we also need to be aware that for the vast majority of the population, price is still the biggest factor in influencing the food choices that people make. But as you start to introduce more environmental credentials, sustainable credentials, uh, I think it's helping people make those decisions and hopefully those can move more upstream to the manufacturers and the suppliers so that it doesn't, that choice doesn't, on price, doesn't just stay with the consumers. Yeah, 100%. So talking about food waste this week, a topic that you feel very passionately about Zoe. <laughs> Should I even say, Should I say Halloween? Yeah, I think it's the worst. I don't know why. I feel like a bit of a Scrooge and it's probably a very unpopular opinion. Um, but Halloween for me has always given me the ick slightly. Um, and I don't know if it's now, there's so many photos of um, children and adults in what look like highly static outfits. Um, so I don't know, yeah, I don't know what part of it uh makes me feel stressed but um I also think yes there are some good costumes and I don't mind face paint I've done some face painted costumes in the past um but I just think the majority of costumes and increasingly like every year it feels like supermarkets are kind of you know stocked to the brim with four quid costumes and there's less creativity in maybe yeah I think when I was younger it felt like you're wearing a sheet or you're having to be creative what was around the place whereas now I feel like it's quite like basic cheap and tacky um that people wear once and chuck out so super unpopular I was a Care Bear for seven years straight as a child one costume not much growth yeah. <laughs> good work yeah it's exactly that I think uh yeah the community part of it is probably fine and doing things with other people is probably fine but I think I find the costumes and the kind of waste a bit stressful and then I feel like the real scare see what I did there um is the food waste um and I 
just think um, I did a bit of stats and th- thinking around this and looking things up. But I think um, three and five people who bought um, pumpkins this year. So so many. This is just UK stats. Um, so that's 35 million UK pumpkins. And of those, um, nearly half of them are expected to be uneaten. Uh, in the UK alone. So that's a lot of pumpkin energy into growing, farmers' energy into growing pumpkins um, and a lot of scooping out and making lights, essentially, scary-looking lights. Um, And I think the really terrifying thing that I found when I was hunting around for stats is 47% of people still don't know that carving pumpkins from the supermarket are edible or any pumpkin is edible. Um, So I think that stresses me out. And you just then see what is a nice, very therapeutic and quite mindful thing of scooping out a pumpkin and carving it. Um, but just the fact that it's a food source isn't really considered anymore. Um, and I think that's quite frightening. Um, so I think only one in 12 people actually cook their pumpkin or anything to do with their pumpkin um, over Halloween. And so, yeah, it was just looking at that and the different options. And I think it's a huge percentage of people, if they do even put them in the bin, put them not in the food waste bin or not don't have a compost bin or don't consider that they might be able to eat good food for other animals um, or see that, yeah, you don't want to eat the stalk, but you could probably put that in the compost. Um, skin, I think in some um varieties of pumpkin or gourd you can eat it in small variety uh, in small in the smaller varieties obviously the flesh is great kind of gross when you're scooping it out but great for pies and breads and soups and curries um and then the guts and the seeds are seeds are so nice if you actually roast them up and i think it's a crazy amount you actually spend on <laughs> pumpkin seeds and you don't necessarily then think oh that tiny um thing of seeds uh from said health food shop is like extortionally expensive and it's like where you've just scooped a lot of those out and yeah it's a slightly bigger process but you just you know, rinse them off and toast them a bit oh they're so slimy so, <laughs> slimy. so so slimy um yeah so then looking into this i came across hubbub who have a campaign for getting people to eat more of their pumpkins i think they started that in 2014 probably when that massive um resurgence of you know when um perfectly kind of average holidays then get slightly consumerized um and they, uh, I think, do local events and workshops and education in order to save pumpkins from landfill. So sad. It's <laughs> poor pumpkins. And so they have a nice poem, a quite sweet poem that they've done as part of the campaign and their kind of big eat your pumpkin campaign. I think they share recipes and other things just to remind people that, yeah, it's fun to do, but there's plenty of produce within that pumpkin um, that can actually um, be eaten. So, yeah, unpopular, but. Yes, I'm popular. I love Halloween, but I think it's because I love all the candy. <laughs> <laughs> so you like the collecting. Yeah, yeah, when I was, um, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud, but when I was 28, I went trick-or-treating with my little half-brother Yeah, because he was two. Huh. And so I had a full mask on. People didn't know my age, but I was like getting so much candy as an adult. And when I think back to it now, I'm horrified, but It'll probably be the same when we have our own kids. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dress oh, up. you did a good thing. Did your yeah? Did he enjoy it, or was it just you? Was he too young? Too. Yeah, you must have enjoyed it a bit. Yeah, a bit. Completely um, selfish, selfless as well. There is something though I think around tradition, specifically that generates so much waste, mm-hmm. like material waste, food waste, and one that um, 
if you are a Canadian, have it's, how, it's already passed. And if you are an American, it's coming. But that's Thanksgiving. Yes. So in North America, you have the tradition of Thanksgiving. In Canada, this is the second week of October. Mm-hmm. And the pinnacle of Thanksgiving for me is pumpkin. Um, so everything that you've talked about, like pumpkin pie, pumpkin soup, pumpkin seeds, mm-hmm. um, we probably just should have called this episode like an ode to the pumpkin. Yeah. Well, I guess it's impossible to be Canadian and not realise you can eat a pumpkin, whereas I guess all those stats I was sharing before are UK stats, um, that that link it isn't maybe a common food product that we use that much, so we just totally assume it, uh, assume it's kind of decoration rather than a food. Definitely. And Thanksgiving, like Halloween, does generate a lot of waste. 63% of the food Canadians throw away could have been eaten. Wow. And that just feels like such a high amount. And when you think about these holidays that are so centered around food and goodness and family and eating, I this there's not enough time in this episode for us to go into like the bad colonial roots of Thanksgiving. <laughs> but when you're just thinking about the modern tradition that people don't think about and they just uh, throw away a lot, it yeah, it's it's really bad when you think about the distribution of, of food and how there are so many people that can't eat. Mm-hmm. But this actually leads me to a myth that I hear all the time that's infiltrated public consciousness. And this is that supermarkets throw out the most food. Yeah. Spoiler, it's not supermarkets. Mm-hmm. They are, they are a, a source of food waste, but only about 10% of food waste comes from supermarkets globally. Wow. And that the majority actually comes from supply chain wastage. Mm-hmm. So like you're on the farms or in transport, but also from restaurants and households. Mm-hmm. And there have been some really cool initiatives that work to streamline this. Like supermarkets now have wonky food and veg offerings. You can buy at a cheaper rate and the produce isn't quite perfect in appearance. I think by smashing the myth that everything has to be uniform size or uniform color, that it's going to be better for you nutritionally when we're just really judgmental, (laughs) I think, as a society. Um, And there's lots of other, I think, initiatives around getting people to consume food that would otherwise go to waste but it is good to see more brands taking responsibility to help their customers be more mindful of food waste at home i'm not sure if you've seen it but ikea released a food waste cookbook it's called i think it's called scrapbook i haven't heard of it um, but i'd be very pleased if i'd come up with that name right super super clever but i think it's wild it's super creative and it's not what you would expect I was really impressed by like how well-researched it was. But one of the recipes is for banana peel bacon. So you can actually fry banana peels with maple syrup, paprika, like and a few other spices. And then you have a version of vegan bacon. And what they've done is made their scrapbook freely available online. Um, we'll pop the link in our show notes. But it just seems like an interest, such an interesting take, also super aligned with their brand, being Scandinavian in origin and foraging. Yeah looking at making use of everything that's around you and lots of the ideas in there are things that they're not like your typical like oh if you have these put everything into a chili or mm-hmm. if you have these make this paste they're they're genuinely recipes that you just never would have thought of on your own and I think that's what's really cool yeah I was gonna say I would never have thought to cook banana peel but now I need to go and buy and eat a banana and taste the bacon yeah, well, I googled, can you eat banana peel? And you can, which I'm sure a lot of people did when they saw that recipe. Didn't really think. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Hopefully before next week, and I can tell you what I what I think of banana banana bacon. 
<laughs> Give it a try. Um, yeah, actually, there's a few brands like that, aren't there? I know um, I saw uh, this week um, a company I follow for a long time who helped facilitate food waste is Olio and the Olio app. Um, they uh, It's an app and it helps you connect to uh, neighbours or people in your local area and local businesses so that you can kind of open the app take a photo, write a description of what food is available and where it will be available for pickup. Um, So good times to use that is I think if your fridge is suddenly still quite full and you're going away for a while or um, you've had a party and there's uh, leftover food that you know you won't be able to get uh, through before sell-by date or um, cakes that you've overcooked and other different elements, you can um, launch that and list it in order to be picked up, which is great. Um, and they came back into my mind this week, not just because we were doing this episode and I was looking into other um, examples of um, uh, good businesses trying to help uh, this kind of uh, way of thinking and way of working, but they also launched their first ever TV ad. Um, I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's well worth a watch. It's kind of eerie and chilling. Um, it's a group of young children singing a reimagined version of the Louis Armstrong's Wonderful World. Um, and they're on a scene of kind of utter climate devastation, which is one of the largest, um, UK's largest landfill sites. Um, and they're singing this song in order to encourage people not to waste our wonderful world. And their kind of overall mission um, is about sharing more and wasting less. So super worth the watch and super worth the download if you are in the UK and you do ever get to a point where you've got more food than you need and some things are going to go to waste. Um, So I think that is a nice example of when people have uh, food products that are in their own household. And so it's a nice thing that you can do yourself. And then a lovely um, company, one of my absolute faves, when I came across them when I first was looking for products for this because, um, and they did a tasting actually, I think in our Soho shop, Um, they're a company called Rubies in the Rubble and they make really delicious condiments using surplus ingredients. And their kind of mission is more taste and less waste. And I think... um, yeah, their chili onion relish and spicy tomato relish is absolutely delicious with cheese. And they also make ketchups and plant-based mayos. Um, and they share facts on their site, actually. I'll share the link because it's really worth looking. They're very good at um, making quite complex um, thought processes and context, complex supply chain issues very clear. Um, so they show things like a third of all food um, produced globally is wasted and they say that that is happened. I think like you just mentioned, Katie, it's not uh, necessary in the supermarket, It's but it's surviving the journey from farm to fork is complicated. So some produce is discarded before it leaves the farm. Some is rejected by the supermarket or the restaurant, and then some ends up in the household bin. Um, they use a good analogy, and from last episode last week, we know I love an analogy. Um, but they say they liken uh, that process of farm to fork as like total wipeout, and there's so many different obstacles in the way, like the rigorous aesthetic criteria, um, over forecasted demand, or inefficiencies in storing and distributing that mean it's um, very difficult for fruit to get right to the end. So what they do is take any um, any fruit, veg and stuff that is uh, lost on the way and have a different way of it being able to then repurpose that into their condiments. Um, so if you haven't tried yet, you really should. Um, it was founded by a brilliant lady called Jenny about 10 years ago, I think. Um, and they're now one of the pioneering voices in food sustainability and they have an award winning range and uh, pretty easy to get your hands on because they're 
pretty much stocked everywhere, uh, big supermarkets. So yeah, if you haven't tried, do and let us know. Sounds great. I was going to say, in your opinion, like how many years will it be before using food waste stops being a, like a unique proposition for brands and it just becomes the dumb thing? Yeah, that it just has to be thought of. Yeah, because there's so I've seen so many products emerge to the market that are made from um, excess, or it might be you're using, you're making. I saw these the other day in the supermarket. Actually, they were tortilla chips made from waste product in the brewing process. Oh wow! Which is yeah, super interesting, and they're delicious. Um, but I wonder when we'll get to the point where it's no longer a novelty or seen as a worthy thing. And if you're not making use of all of the raw materials out there, your product's irrelevant. Yeah. I give it like 10 years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just thinking as well, there's um, a company called Toast who make beer, when you mentioned the beer, uh, out of um, waste bread, um, which is, yeah, a good name as well, Razor Toast. Um, And, yeah, that's kind of trying to work out a world without waste. And, yeah, realising along loads of supply chains of other products, you – can then reuse them into slightly different products, um, much more circular economy-wise. I think Dash Water as well um, is uh, there's a company, a water company, um, which is all about no calories and no sugar and no sweetener. But I'm pretty sure they use uh, end of life or waste um, fruit in order to flavour their waters as well. And I think lots of those companies seem to have been around since when I started this because so those have been around for ten or so years or definitely within five to ten years but I think you're right there's increasingly more people you know and ultimately it's great for the kind of business bottom line because you're using a waste material already so often Mm -hmm. people are um yeah able to add value to it um from a business point of view not just adding value to the fact that you're not um using excess energy to make things that people aren't then going to use and it just goes to waste yeah it just makes full sense in every like in all types of resource management Uh, on the subject of creating goodness and value from waste uh each week when we do our idea the world needs i thought this week we'd talk about one that is borrowed but with permission from my amazing big sister missy uh missy is a chef and her idea is that um well it originally started as how can you teach food banks how to can things. So very often food banks are given a surplus from farms, from retailers, restaurants, but it's in a huge volume and often it's one ingredient. So here you can have 75 crates of string beans. And the thing is like, that's not very useful because you need so many other ingredients to make that into a meaningful meal or to do something with that. And if you can't use that within a certain time frame of when the food's going to expire, then. Uh, high pressure, high pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. To, yeah, uh, products like that on and knowing that it is the good thing and right thing to do but yeah feeling quite stressed thinking how to use 75 crates of string greens now. yeah but then if you if you have a method of preserving that or using it prolonging its shelf life for example through canning it's one way although when you do talk to my sister who is incredibly inspiring and thinks about the food system all the time given her line of work one of the things she talks about is it's like Teaching food banks how to can fruit and veg and anything that comes in is is definitely a solution, but it's more like a band-aid. It's like yeah. a short-term fix. 
but she's really keen on, is there a way that you can have some form of nationalized food program that can eliminate waste? So for example, all bruised apples from every grocery store somehow being returned or sent to a centralized kitchen. And from there, they can be processed into applesauce. Uh, So you have like specialty places where these, uh, depending on the type of food it is, goes to because that can then be processed and its life can be lengthened. Exactly. So it's creating some form of centralized system that can handle all food waste by using existing infrastructure from existing suppliers. So that's like kind of the big systems idea is everyone's going to have moderately similar ingredients. If you combine those ingredients at scale mm-hmm. and then package them in a way that prolongs the shelf life and then uses the same network to distribute, um, this could be one way of really taking on the issue of food waste and food poverty mm-hmm. in areas. So she mentioned to me the other day that Australia has one of the largest national food programs in place that is there to distribute excess food waste and canning is just one part of that but oh wow but it's done at a a broader level rather than a small level of small food banks who are already having to do a lot of distributing um to then actually become chefs sort of having an in-house chef is a yeah a small plaster to that and I guess the uh, the machinery and the cooking equipment that they would have and have to be so flexible to recan certain things. Whereas actually, if they knew at that point, we divert those crates of that food to this place um, and they will do it properly. They will have recipes that or canning uh, facilities that will make it possible. And then that gets redistributed. So possibly a part of it exists in Australia, you think, but nothing in the UK, I don't believe. Yeah, and there isn't in Canada. My sister spends a lot of time thinking about these things, but definitely... A cunning canning plan. Yes. <laughs> We're ready for it, Missy. <laughs> yes, we are here for it. Oh, Anyways, amazing. I think that brings us to time. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for joining us this week. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So please drop us a line if there's anything you want to chat about, if you share the same passion that Zoe does for pumpkin and the love hate of halloween yeah (laughs) and if there's something you want to chat about uh please get in touch yeah and any other food waste um products we'll put them in the show notes but if there's others send them across and we'll start sharing them around see you next week see you next week